So we open to the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. I was looking at a, a number of scriptures considering for the sermon, and this was really interesting to me to consider what he is saying in the context. Um, I'll be sharing with you a, a number of verses on this topical sermon, but this is really interesting. We will look at a few other verses in the book of this minor prophet. Uh, but the the focus of our sermon this more uh, excuse me this evening um, is uh, verses seventeen to eighteen. The focus of our sermon is verses seventeen to eighteen of Habakkuk chapter three. Hear now the word of the Lord. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail. And the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold. And there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. And it's that second verse in its context, but it's that second verse we really want to hone in on tonight. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. I choose to rejoice. Again, to rejoice is a choice. I choose. It's an act of volition. I will. There's a lot of times people might say, I can't. It's not true. Now, I do want to give this disclaimer. In God's providence, I wasn't planning on this, but I want to remind you this morning, as we went through Derek Thomas's video series, Guiding Us Through the Pilgrim's Progress, that the topic, the chapter he was focusing on then of John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress was uh, the castle of the giant of despair. And remember, we were seeing in what he taught, and we talked more afterwards, despair is a real thing. It's not necessarily a sinful thing. And we need to be allowed to be depressed with our circumstances. There are times when there's many reasons. It could just be things happening to us from within, without. What matters is what we do with it and where we go to it, that we go to the Lord with it. Uh, but, you know, we gave a lot of attention to that this morning. So I don't want you to think this is just a Pollyanna, you know, everything's happy all the time and let's just deny and pretend there's, an, there's, let's pretend there's no bad things. That's not what we're going to be talking about. And even in Habakkuk, the context is things are not good right now. But I'm going to choose to rejoice. I'm going to choose to be happy in the midst of it. And we always have that choice to make. It doesn't mean that we uh, don't weep. Again, Romans says, weep with those that weep and rejoice with them who rejoice. And there's always an overlap in our experiences together. Um, but we can choose to rejoice. Sometimes that can be as, as we also weep. The U.S. Declaration of Independence, in its second paragraph, writes this. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are, and then it lists three things, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
These are unalienable rights from our Creator. From God, we have a right to life, a right to liberty, and a right to the pursuit of happiness. But notice the qualifying word in the third thing. It doesn't say we have a right to happiness. It says we have a right to pursue it. Then the question is whether we will or we won't. It reminds me of a true life story of a man in San Francisco, I believe it was in the 80s. Um, Chris Gardner was his name, who made it from being a homeless single father to incredible material success and positive influence. So much so that they made a movie about it. Will Smith was the actor portraying it. And uh, the movie was called The Pursuit of Happiness with a Y for happy instead of an I because uh, part of the story is he's bringing his kid in out of daycare or someplace and somebody wrote happiness on the wall and they spelled it with a Y and he's yelling at the guy, I keep telling you it's an I, not a Y. (laughs) But they left it in there. But the pursuit of happiness. And in the movie... Early on, when he is struggling so much, he, he shares this. The founding fathers wrote that we are all entitled to the pursuit of happiness as a basic fundamental human right. They specifically didn't say that we're entitled to happiness. So once again, Will we be like this man, Chris Gardner, who against incredible odds and difficulties, incredible despair, went from rags to riches. He didn't give up. And what's beautiful is he wouldn't give up on his son. He said, one of the things he says early in the movie is, uh, what's quoted in the movie, he says, you know, and this is as he's dropping his son off and always comes back to get him. He said, I didn't meet my father until I was 28 years old, and I resolved that if I had children, they would always know their father. So one of the, hor- I shouldn't say hor- the challenging just gr- grieves your heart. You see, he's struggling so much, and he's struggling so much that his son might not realize they're staying in a homeless shelter, or he might not understand this is as bad as it is. He's just trying to get him through it and get him above it. And he does. Why? Because he pursues it. He has this incredible ability to not stop to never give up, and to keep going for it. He does also go on to say, because people have different ideas of what it is to pursue happiness, but recognize it needs to be pursued, and there's plenty of people who don't pursue happiness, and so they don't have it. And even with Christ, there's plenty of Christians that seem to think, uh, you know, unhappiness is the way to go. Charles Spurgeon has a lot to say about that, and he battled with depression big time. But we should be the most cheerful even in the midst of everything. Because we're, on, we're pilgrims pursuing heaven. We're on our way there. Let me ask you this. Uh, two dogs before you. The, the one dog is chasing after a rabbit and is digging ferociously at the hole that it just ran down. I'm not speaking figuratively of my youngest son, although you've seen him out there. He sees the rabbits. And running around with Gabriel too. And, and then you don't see the rabbits anymore. They're down in the holes. And if they could find the holes, they'd be after those rabbits, right? They are pursuing those rabbits. And it's very difficult for us to even get them. You know? I'm kind of afraid for the rabbits. At some point, he's going to get them. You know? One dog is like that. Just digging at the hole. Won't stop trying to get that rabbit. Another dog is lying on the ground, panting, 
not even responding to its owner's call to get up and get the rabbit. Which dog is pursuing? The first dog. Because pursuit is a deliberate action of effort to acquire something, to get something. When the church is floundering and we are failing, Christians can still choose to be happy in Christ. I'll give you that as the idea of our text. When the church is floundering and we are failing, Christians can still choose to be happy in Christ if they will say, I will, and thus pursue it until they have it. Verse 17, all is not working. All is uh, working, all working is without any results. Look at verse 17. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Nothing's working. All of my work isn't producing anything. All seems lost. That's the context. Yet, verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Beloved, do you want to give a witness to the world? Here it is. Acknowledge and recognize the problem and say, we are choosing to rejoice in the Lord. Verse 18, yet the prophet chooses to rejoice in God the Savior. Notice it's said in two different words to emphasize the fact, I'll rejoice, I will joy. Two different Hebrew words. One of them kind of means more like exalt. In God my salvation. You know, the real joy, the happiness comes from God our Savior. It's never not there to have when we remember that we should be sent to hell in eternal depression and despair and darkness. We're already saved from that, and it's not our future, so we don't have to act like it is. We can act about what our future really is, heaven, joy in the presence of God. The Hebrew word for uh, salvation, God is my salvation, is the word where we get a similar word in the Hebrew to where we get Jesus, Yeshua. Happiness is in God. So we must pursue God and then find happiness. We must will ourselves into enjoying Him. And most of the time, we're not doing that. Most of the time, we're choosing to be unhappy. We're choosing to be overcome by the difficulties. We're choosing to let Satan get into our head and tell us all is lost. And we have to say, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. This is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to take your invitation to a pity party, Satan. This doesn't mean we don't grieve and lament to the Lord. The Psalms are full of that. Habakkuk is full of that. But what are we going to do with it ultimately? Where are we going to go with it? We go to God, our salvation, and we rejoice in him. Happiness is a choice, and you must choose to pursue it in Christ. Now, the context is knowing all this trouble and fruitlessness is from God. Like all the prophets, the people are being disciplined. 
all these problems are actually from God as he uses uh, others in the world to discipline them. Habakkuk's crying out, oh boy, all this trouble we're having from these other people. And God says, oh, that's from me. I'm disciplining you. Oh, and then he's lamenting over that. <laughs> you know, Aren't you ever going to bring justice to those people? Yes, I will. But right now I'm using them to bring you back to me. You know? So the whole context is lament and being troubled over things. And learning this is actually from God. We can't just run around it. We have to deal with it. And we have to learn to rejoice in the Lord, even with what the Lord's bringing upon us. Sometimes because we brought it upon ourselves. Look at chapter 1, verse 1. Habakkuk 1 verse 1, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. His vision is a burden. And you look what he says later, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in God of my salvation. But it starts out, this is a burden of a vision. This is a burden to bear. Look at chapter 2 verse 13. Behold, it is not of the Lord of hosts that the people shall labor. Uh, Is it, excuse me, behold, is it not of the Lord of hosts that the people shall labor in the very fire and the people shall weary themselves for very vanity? You know, that's what he's saying in chapter 3, verse 17. Nothing, nothing's coming of this. Our work is in vain. We're not producing anything. All these material blessings we would hope for. Nothing's coming from all of our effort. In verse uh, 13 here of chapter 2 tells us that's from the Lord. He's not letting you prosper because you're not turning to him about it. He's disciplining you to get your attention, to get you to rejoice in him and not in the things of the world. God is punishing them with all that the prophet had been lamenting. Look to chapter 3 verse 2. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, remember mercy. I always think of Elder Maxwell. He says that a lot in his prayers. In wrath, remember mercy. We recognize this is from you, Lord. We submit ourselves to it. We accept it. Please remember mercy. Get us to better days, which is always the point of all of these prophets bringing correction, is that they would be restored in the Lord and then be rejoicing in the Lord, because they're not rejoicing in this worldly way. The prophet, therefore, submits to the Lord and asks for mercy to be remembered along the way to help them get back to where they need to be with the Lord. Look at chapter 3, verse 16. Right before our text When I heard, my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the voice, rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh up upon the people, he will invade them with his troops. He's like physically sick over all of this. He's accepting it, but it's overwhelming to him. It's it's almost too much to bear. It's affecting him deeply, physically. And he could have chosen to lie down in despair. He could have been like Jonah for other reasons. I'm going I'm to go off on a ship to the end of the world to try to get away from all this. But he doesn't choose to lie down in despair. He realizes he has a choice to make. And so do God's people. To grin and bear it and to have him turn them back to him so they are glad again. 
Verse 17 surveys all the bad going on, and yet verse 18, he accepts it from God, and he chooses to rejoice in God. In the midst of dismay, he chooses to be happy. I hope this is empowering for you, as it is for me. You are not a victim to your circumstances. And your circumstances are often going to be real problems and difficulties, but you're not a victim to them. Remember what we learned in our study of despair this morning. The giant of despair in the castle, in the dungeon is where he had them. Remember, we were, we were reviewing that Thomas Watson in his book on contentment, he talks about all the different sins that Satan is working to get you to do. They bring all kinds of problems on you, but they're ultimately all leading to the worst thing he can get you to do in sin, that of sinful despair. They're all designed to get you to the place of despair. And so there's a lot of good reason for us to not allow him to take us down that road. We're, again, not denying real, uh, true depression, but that we would take it to the Lord, just as Jesus did in Gethsemane. And go as often as you need to. I believe it was three times to get the peace with God's will. Just as we saw in Psalm 42 and Psalm 43, three times. Real problems, but he says, where am, I? where am I? Where am I going with this? Why so downcast, O my soul? Why so disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet trust in him who is the help of my countenance, who is my health. We go there. We go to God. We choose to have happiness. So if you look at the bulletin insert about happiness by Stephen Nichols from Ligonier Ministries, don't, really, don't worry if you don't have it with you anymore, but I encourage you to take a look at it. It's deliberately there today. I'll share with you in part, he says, the pursuit of happiness, in the article, excuse me, the pursuit of happiness, according to William Ames, the Puritan William Ames, he says, Ames says, theology is the doctrine or teaching of living to God. Nichols goes on to say, theology is not just thinking towards God. Theology is living towards God. Once Ames defines what theology is, he reaches all the way back to the days of the Greek philosophers. He reaches back to Plato and Aristotle and the age-old discussion of what constitutes the good life. What is happiness? And what brings happiness? To get at this, Ames uses two Greek words. The first is eudoia, and the second is eudaimonia. Now, eudoia means living well. We would simply say the good life. And eudaimonia, well, that means living happily. We would simply say happiness. And then Ames said theology is this. Nichols goes on to say this. So there you have it. You want the good life? You want happiness? Be a theologian. Jesus, who is God, the Son of the living God, said, Seek and ye shall find. Let me share with you a number of God's commands and guidance. And we'll think about some scriptures that 
should be your response to it. First, scriptures of God's command and good guidance related to this. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 Rejoice evermore. We need to go to that verse and just do a sermon on that verse. Rejoice evermore. Philippians 4 verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord all the way. And again I say rejoice. Of course in chapter 3 he had already said it's no problem for me to tell you again. Rejoice. Proverbs 10 verse 28. The hope of the righteous shall be gladness. Psalm 100 verse 1. What talks about the way we should be approaching God in worship, coming through the courts and the gates to praise him. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Nehemiah 8 verse 10. They're crying because of the rediscovery of the law and recognizing how far short they've, how far short they've come. Uh, discovering a lot of things they didn't know about anymore and just grieving over this and where they are as a people. And Nehemiah 8 verse 10 says this, For this day is holy unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I won't sing or recite this song because I've done it in other sermons related to joy, but I encourage you to look up Twyla Paris, The Joy of the Lord is My Strength. I'm really struggling not to break out in song, but I'm going to move on. (laughs) I'm feeling strong just thinking about singing that song. Maybe we'll do it later over our fellowship time. Galatians 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is, among other things, joy. It's within you to be cultivated. John 15, verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. That's Jesus speaking. There's an aspect of, I've put my joy in you, and uh, there's an aspect of, are you maximizing it in your life? Are you letting it have its fullness in your life? There's an aspect of that joy you need to pursue even within you and grow that fruit of joy within you. Jesus also says similarly, John 16, verse 24. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. Plenty of things that could be considered with that and what to ask for and what not to ask for. But notice that your joy might be full. The growing and serving the Lord Jesus is supposed to have an aspect of growing your joy. Making you more happy. Oh, beloved, people are going all over the place for happiness. Spend a lot of money to get it and they don't have it. You and I are often in danger of following the goats to the same Things that never satisfy and never really make us happy, never give us joy, because it's only the joy of the Lord that is our strength. Only God can make us happy. 1 Peter 1, verse 8. Whom having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, 
ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. There's such joy in Jesus to behold and have grow in you, you can't really put it into words. It's, you know, somebody might ask you about Jesus, sometimes you might just be like, I, I just, <laughs> you know, you're just so full of joy, what can you possibly say? Except come see Jesus. Romans 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Before I continue, sadly, Calvinists are often living up to the caricature of being cold and boring and unhappy, and frankly, no fun to be around. Shouldn't be. Let it not be here. Last word of command and guidance. Of course, there's plenty others, but Romans 15, verse 13. Now, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. It's not that we're not called to suffering. It's not that we're not called to pain and difficulty. But remember, we have been learning that in Philippians, though it's been a while as we've been going through that letter. But what is a theme? It's not really the theme of the book, but a lot of people mistakenly think it is joy and rejoicing because he talks about it so much in the context of being a prisoner chained to a guard 24-7 and all of their problems and things are going he keeps talking about joy and rejoicing he says I rejoice that some of these guys are preaching the gospel to try to hurt me but I rejoice because it's advancing the gospel I rejoice in my chains because it's advancing the gospel so again it's not it's not outside off in the context of difficulties and pain but praise the Lord we don't have to just be miserable wherever we're called to walk and go through things Remembering Paul and Silas at midnight, what were they doing in prison? Singing the Psalms. And the Psalms give us words both for the suffering and for the rejoicing. And they're not mutually exclusive, beloved. So what your response should be is to follow Jesus and be happy. Psalm 16 verse 11 needs to be your response. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Now that's David looking ahead about the resurrection in Christ. He's rejoicing in the resurrection. And yet he's rejoicing in it now. He's like, I'm so happy now. And he talks about, I've got it so good. I've got, a, I've got an amazing inheritance before me. He just is so happy to think about what's coming for him. He says, God will do this. Therefore, I will do things. Psalm 92, verse 4. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. I will. And especially as we sang this evening, Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and we will be glad in it. Can you imagine if we came to worship? It's the day the Lord has made. 
see what happens. Maybe we will rejoice. Maybe we won't. I don't want to make any promises. Give me a break. Who's going to go to church that way? Give me a break. That's not what God's calling us to. This is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he hath made me glad. I will. Nobody can take that from you. Nobody can make you choose to be unhappy but you. It's always your choice of how you choose to respond to things and deal with things. But what, is, what a glorious thing, Bill, that no matter what's going on, we can just sit there and decide whether it's a prison, whether it's a hospital bed, whether it's a more pleasant time at a beach, we can say, I will rejoice, for he hath made me glad. But you know, there's plenty of people at the beach not smiling. There's plenty of people at the movies and other places not smiling. The happiness is in the Lord wherever you find yourself choice you can make. I will do this. Psalm 71 verse 23. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto thee and my soul which thou hast redeemed. My lips shall. Notice the resolve because the confidence is in the Lord and what he surely always gives simply by being with him. I will rejoice. I shall praise. I will be happy. And if we're finding ourselves not experiencing that, then we're just not really spending much time with the Lord, are we? And that's the truth for us, isn't it? Not really. We treat it like a pill time with God. And if we don't immediately rejoice, we're going somewhere else for it. And we don't get it. Jesus had to go to the Lord three times in the garden. David had to go to the Lord three times in Psalm 42 and 43 with that refrain. Go to the Lord again and again, and he will cause you to rejoice. I will come to you, Lord, and I will trust that you will cause me to rejoice. Or our verse tonight, again, thinking of its context. Although, verse 17, although nothing's working, and I got nothing for all my work, yet, verse 18, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. I will. I will. We will rejoice and be glad. Beloved, it's a choice. And it's a good choice. It's the best thing. Proverbs 15, verse 13, a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. Proverbs 15, verse 15, he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. Before I continue, one of the things I, I've learned about, uh, I believe, yeah, John Knox, among others, but one of the reasons the Lord used him, he was, you know, he was strong. He's known for, one guy said the way he beat that pulpit, I thought it was going to end up in splinters. You know, he was strong, powerful, serious man with the word of the Lord. But apparently one of the reasons people worked with him so well is he had a great sense of humor. Now be careful. This does not mean we start making fun of each other. You've heard my qualifications about sarcasm. But there is an aspect and a place for just being jovial and cheerful, friendly and happy. I had a guy say to me the other day, a fellow minister, he said, you know, you're extreme. And I, I wish he would have said, speaking of me in the church, you're Puritan. <laughs> 
you're endeavoring to be biblical. Uh, but I know what he meant. He was meaning to be nice, but I enjoy you. You know, a lot of times you just can disarm those who want to speak badly about you and they can't help but, oh, I guess I'll be friends with them. It's because you're just frankly fun and happy. I'm not saying being stupid and careless, but just rejoicing in the Lord with a merry heart. It's contagious. It's good medicine. People like to be around that. Proverbs 17, 22. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. So it is a happy thing to consider the following website I came across. I love the name of this website, themerrymama.com. <laughs> themerrymama.com. Um, here, here's the full title on the website. The Merry Mama, Embracing Motherhood with Peace, Joy, and Intention. Now, I didn't pick this for my wife, but we got some little kids and we're always struggling and challenging with the things that come with little toddlers, whether it's overnight or in the morning or what have you. And uh, so I've encouraged her to make sure she tries to hear the end of the message. I know she's uh, barricading the cry room doors so the kids can't get out, but hopefully, Mama, you can hear this part. The Mary Mama, embracing motherhood with peace, joy, and intention. And I want to encourage us all to be able to apply this for ourselves. Call it the Mary whatever you are. (laughs) Embracing your life and your calling with joy and intention. She writes this, motherhood and life exclamation point can be tough and it's easy to lose our joy. Here are 25 scriptures to help you get it back. I'm not going to review all those scriptures. I've reviewed some that overlap with what she shared. Rather, I want to share some of her testimony here, so to speak. But she puts together 25 scriptures to what? Help you get it back. That is, help you pursue happiness. Happiness can so easily be taken from you, or rather we should say we can so easily give it over to others, give it over to Satan. Here's 25 Bible verses to study regularly to help you get it back. Pursue and retain the joy. Recover the joy and the happiness. She says this. By the way, excuse me, uh, the website host and the author, her name is Lisa Mullen. Mrs. Mullen says, motherhood, oh, excuse me, I read that part. Mrs. Mullen says, life can be hard. Motherhood can be hard. Through trials, challenges, busyness, or even just monotony or routine. It can be easy to let our joy slip through our fingers. The thing is, nothing and no one is going to bring it back into our lives. It is up to us to restore it, cultivate it, and safeguard it. We have to be intentional and diligent about filling our hearts with the right nourishment for the seeds of joy to flourish in our hearts. I remind you, this is a fruit of the Spirit that should be cultivated. Lastly, she says this, One of the things I like to do is meditate on Scripture that encourages me to choose joy and that shows me how to do that. Choose joy with Scriptures to show you how to go about it. I've given you a number of those scriptures this evening. Habakkuk, I think, is this really special one. And actually, she lists it. And uh, it is her site where I decided to go with this scripture. 
I'm not trying to advertise for her site. I know it probably sounds like it, especially with what I'll share next. But there's some really neat uh, merchandise that just further, I think, demonstrates this deliberate effort to choose happiness, to pursue happiness, to choose joy in the Lord. First of all, she has an ebook, and it's called this, The Mary Mama Manual, Six Secrets to Cultivating Joy in Every Season of Motherhood. Every season of motherhood. Here's a, a Mary Mama Manual. Here's, go here, look at these things, and work at it. Pursue it. Study it. Grow it. And then there's a T-shirt on the website uh, that says this, The Joy of the Lord is My Strength. It's not citing, but we know it's quoting Nehemiah 8, verse 10. But then in parentheses on the t-shirt, and this mama needs it, exclamation point. So again, it's, it's recognizing the difficulty and the challenge, but I know where to go get it, and I'm going to go get it. I love that t-shirt. If I could get it and says, this papa, maybe, I, maybe I'll get it and I'll draw a big marker through it and write papa. <laughs> the joy of the Lord is my strength, and this mama needs it. She has a book also that is, uh, the title is, Love the Ones You're With, a 30-Day Joyful Motherhood Challenge. Now, Fernanda gets this. A lot of mamas get this, especially if you have a lot of kids and a lot of young kids. What are you doing having all these kids? What are you doing having all of these young kids? What a strain on your life is the implication. What a drag on what could make you happy. And of course, you know, changing diapers and getting bit and poked when you're trying to sleep early in the morning and, you know, having food spit on the table and on you and stuff all over the floor and it just never seems to end. Got to stay up till 1.30 in the morning, get the little kids' clothes ironed. You know, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's so happy. It's easy to start to have despair. Mamas talk about this all the time on different social groups, how it's so easy to get depressed and discouraged just trying to make it as a mama with young kids. And the name of the book is Love the Ones You're With, Your Little Kids, A 30-Day Joyful Motherhood Challenge. A challenge, what? To choose joy in it? To choose to focus on, well, I almost threw you out the window last night, but you still sure are stinking cute with those little kisses this morning in bed, you know. Whatever it is, you know. You know, man, oh man, were you driving me nuts not eating, but boy, you're being so sweet right now. Or just looking and saying, this is a gift the Lord has given me. What, what an honor. What a privilege. I love the name of the site, The Merry Mama. <laughs> but notice this. She is not saying, I'm just naturally like this. I'm just a merry lady. I'm just a merry mama. It's who I am. Woo-hoo! Come and be merry. It'll just rub off of me. That's not what she's saying. The whole site is, I am miserable. But I'm going to choose to be merry. If it kills me, it's not going to kill me. It's going to lift me up and make me alive. It's not saying I'm married by nature. It's saying I'm going to choose. She's making a supernatural Christian choice to cultivate a fruit of the Holy Spirit. She's choosing each day in the midst of potential despair to be happy. Go figure. You can do it. You can choose it. But you're going to have to say, whether you say to their faces or in your mind's eye, recognizing who's really speaking, Satan, you're a liar. 
I don't have to choose to be miserable and depressed. I'm going to choose to be happy and thankful. I'm going to count my blessings and I am going to, I will praise the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. You see, beloved, you always have a choice. You always make a choice. The choice is yours. Will you choose to pursue happiness? Will you choose to grow the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Joy. I recently bought a sign at Walmart and I hung it in our bathroom. So we look at it all the time. And the sign says this Make happiness a habit. Make happiness a habit. Well, beloved, I encourage you to take it and just adjust it a little bit and hang this, hang it this way in your hearts. Make a habit of happiness. Give that to you as the message for this evening. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Verse 16. My belly's trembling, my lips are quivering. There's rottenness in my bones. All that being true. Verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Beloved, I encourage you to take that for yourself and make happiness a habit, or rather, because I want to emphasize the last word, make a habit by what you regularly choose. Make a habit of happiness. God helping us. Let us pray. Lord, we confess that uh, we are often prone to despair. We are often prone to doubt and depression. And we go there and stay there by evil, worldly, wicked influences, ultimately the tongue of the serpent. Lord, instead, let us hear the voice of our good shepherd who says, I have abundant life for you. I want your joy to be full. Help us to grow Holy Spirit, your fruit of joy. Help us to choose and pursue and have in Jesus Christ happiness now and as we go on our pilgrimage through this world as a witness to the world to follow after. As we go along singing, however we may be stumbling, limping, being drug along the way for lack of strength in other ways. I will rejoice for he hath made me glad. And in thy presence is fullness of joy and at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let this be our witness to the watching world, O Lord, and perhaps, perhaps we'll need to start planting churches. We pray in Jesus' name and all your people said, Amen.